Well, hello, my friends. It's me, Nancy Matthews, co-founder of Women's Prosperity Network. Happy Wednesday. Uh, we're coming to you live today with the Be Real, Get Real podcast. And I have my guest uh, attorney, Susan Detroit, and we're going to be talking today about winning across all ages. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because as I was preparing for today, I was thinking about age. And age is a state of mind. We especially say that as we get older in life, don't we? <laughs> so I remember that, you know, going back and thinking, you know, right now, full disclosure, I'm 61 years old. And I can remember the time when I thought 61 was really old, but it's very young now. So are you feeling young? Put it in the chat. <laughs> Tell me how you're feeling about all that now. And let me go ahead and, and welcome. I see we've got some of our uh, fabulous members and friends with us. So say hello in the chat. Let's let's go ahead and create some good juju as we, we uh, move into today's conversation. Glad to have you with us today. And um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to Susan. So give me just a moment while I make all that magic happen. And in the meanwhile, say happy Wednesday or happy wow. Do something like that in the chat. All right, let's kick it off. And welcome to the Be Real, Get Real podcast. I'm Nancy Matthews, one of the co-founders of Women's Prosperity Network, along with my two sisters, Trish Carr and Susan Winner. And we are delighted to bring you real stories of real women who are making a difference in their own lives, in their communities, and in the world. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to Susan D. Troy. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Nice to be here. So grateful to have you with us. And uh, today we're going to be talking about winning across all ages. And the conversation is going to go in a few different directions. So let me share a little bit about Susan and her background. Susan Derenfeld Troy has been practicing law for 17 years in the areas of intellectual property law, which is patents, trade secrets, trademarks and copyrights, and business law. And since 2008, she's been with the firm of Troy and Schwartz in Miami. And after a long career in research and development, both in academia and the corporate world, she went to law school after a merger and acquisition resulted in the closure of her com company. Um, Miami location, um, the company's Miami location, and she didn't have the option to relocate. So Susan reinvented herself. And part of our conversation today is that it's never too late. So winning across all ages means it's never too late. So Susan, tell us a, a little bit about, you know, when you got the news that the company was closing, like, what was your reaction? And what were you thinking about? Like, oh my goodness, right? That must have been quite a blow. Rumor had it that this was actually likely to be happening and it was a gradual close down. Many of us got our notices because we were at R&D. R&D was not at that point considered a very essential department. And many of us got our notices in December, right before Christmas. Oh, wow. Merry but, Christmas. Uh, right. But they, they were, you know, several months notices. So I actually was laid off in 1998. Prior to that, we had uh, some other downsizing about five years before. And at that point, I actually had to lay off people. Mm. And I will tell you, that is probably the hardest thing I have ever had to do professionally. Yeah, agreed. That is not 
letting people go is not comfortable. We were just talking about that recently on one of my other interviews. Um, and because you care about the people, right? Exactly. And yeah. I had a, uh, I just really had an excellent team, a very diverse team, since diversity is in the news so much today. I had uh, a gentleman from Syria, uh, uh, a gentleman from uh, Cuba, actually two gentlemen from Cuba, another one from India, uh, of course, several from the United States, but somehow, we, oh, and also um, Sam Salvador at the time. Mm -hmm. So somehow we all managed to get along and have a good time and do some good work. That's awesome. So, so here you are, you got laid off. How did the decision to reinvent yourself and go to law school come about? Actually, I owe a, a lot of this to my late husband. I did consulting for a couple years, meaning that I had to do a lot of business travel. And when you get older and you have a home and you have a family and everything, at least for me, business travel became more challenging. I would leave early Monday morning and arrive home late Friday evening. And it was not a lifestyle that my husband and I really wanted. And to do the consulting, I really did have to travel. And my husband was an attorney. Uh, he went to law school, Stanford Law, at a very young age, at 21. And he was the one who actually suggested, have you considered law school because of your intellectual property background and everything? And to be honest, I never had, I was always you know, geared towards the sciences. Even though I had a very successful cousin uh, who was an attorney, he was a finance attorney. And that's how that came about. I don't know that I would have even come to that decision on my own. Wow. And, and how was it? going back to school, you know, it, it's very different when you're going to school, you go from high school to college and graduate school, like there's a different vibe around all of that. So how was it going back to school, uh, you know, older than most of the people in your classes, right? Right, and uh, definitely uh, that was the case. Uh, in a weird sort of way, I looked forward to the challenge because I've often said if I was independently wealthy, that I probably would be a professional student. <laughs> I, I think I am a professional student. I love right. it. I love right. it. Yeah. So always learning. And so the challenge of law, which is certainly a lot different from the different from the sciences, but still, in some ways, has some similarities. I really, um, I really did enjoy being around younger people. Was actually also fun, and I use my parents as an example. I'm the youngest by a lot of years, so my parents were considerably older than the parents of many of my little friends. I grew up in Butte, Montana, by the way. Right. So we always had young people around. We were also active in the low in the local ski club. So again, my parents, most of their friends, I will have to say, were younger. And I mean like 10, 20 years younger. Mm -hmm. So age was never a factor. And I think it's really important when one does interact with, with young people is to not try and be their friend to act their age because we're not. Right, and that just can seem foolish or something, or exactly. not real, right? That's not authentic. That's right, to just yeah. be real, as the, uh, as the name of this podcast or this live stream is called, be real, be there to help. Um, interestingly, 
some of the younger students, I guess, who hadn't had a life experience, a, a lot of life experiences came to me because one thing I did find about law school that was different from the sciences, it is extremely competitive. People are always concerned about everybody else's grades and things like that, which I think is a bunch of nonsense anyway. Wait a minute. And this I find this interesting. So more so than in sciences? Yes. Eh, why yes. Because, you, they, because yeah. you were ranked within the class. You see what I'm saying on yeah. that? You were ranked yeah. within the class. And people would actually come up and ask what grade you got in such and such. And my comment always was, uh, well, I'm very satisfied with my grade and I was fortunate to do very well in law school. But I think that again is because I you know, came as an older student and maybe had some advantages, especially with writing and everything over some of my uh, younger colleagues. Mm -hmm. But so I kind of became the mother hen that way. And I told one young girl, she was, she was extremely bright and she was saying, people are asking me what my grades are and I don't want to brag, I don't want to say anything. And I said, just use my line. Just say, I'm happy with my grade. Mm -hmm. You don't have to reveal anything you don't want to. And they'll find out soon enough anyway when the dean's list comes out. And I think it's an interesting phenomenon how there's this conditioning to want to compare ourselves to others. And that doesn't create anything good. Yeah, like I, I believe that... I want to compare myself today to who I was yesterday. Am I improving? And that's that always learning, growing. And and the other thing can either make you feel bad about yourself or make you feel superior. It's not about that. And I, I love that answer. Yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think kids, well, I call them kids, you know, just what I did. But in your 20s and so forth, we're all trying to find ourselves and trying to fit in. Um, you know, there's a lot more going on, I think, up here. And when you get older, I like to think maybe we become a little bit more mellow. <laughs> it's just about yeah. us, maybe, and not worrying so much what others think. Because at my age, I already had had accomplishments. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is I believe that also had given me some confidence that maybe I wouldn't have had had I gone to law school at the age of 22. That's true, too. Let me ask you this question, um, since you've had such a vast experience with people of all ages, both, you know, in life, in your family growing up, in law school, in your practice, what do you find you learn from younger people? Actually, quite a bit. I learned a lot about technology. And I will say that the younger generation, which includes of millennials, Xers, Zers, I guess there's wires. There, there's I guess we, we have the COVID generation for our, our young, young know, people. My grandbabies are in that. Same yeah. here with my grandkids. Is that they tend to be, and this may be a generality, but they tend to be very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. uh, taking risks. My generation, and I still remember my parents saying this, get a job with a good company, you'll be set for life. Well, I was for many years, but then the layoffs happened. Right, right. And I love the fact that this younger generation is perhaps less stuck in worrying about finding the company to take care of you rather than making their own way. Mm, maybe, uh, maybe more geared towards taking chances. 
And take it's out taking ownership. I like how you said that, not looking for a company to take care of you or a man to take care of you or, you know, I take care of myself. And, mm -hmm. and so I, and especially in the field of into intellectual property law, trademarks, copyrights, you're dealing with a lot of creatives, I would imagine. Right. Right. So you see a lot of that coming through. That's right. And yeah. I do have clients ranging. I think the youngest client I've ever had. Oh, actually, he uh, is 16 years old. Oh, wow. And he's in California. Well, he's older now. But when when he first became a client, he was 16. A brilliant young man. I, I won't say his name, but um, he's out in California now. And um, he would be now probably around 22, 23. That's awesome. Way, way, way beyond his years. That's fantastic. What would you suggest? I'm going to do a um, kind of like a, a little bit of advice because I know that your passion and commitment for people to keep themselves protected with trademarks, copyrights, patents, all of that is, is really paramount and it is important. Um, how does somebody know if they should protect their idea or their, you know, program or system, if they should really go that extra mile by, you know, getting a copyright or a trademark on it. Do you have some guidelines that you could share? Right. Uh, I'm going to rank the four uh, intellectual property types we've talked about okay, in, great. Terms, in terms of the simplest one to get to the most complex. The simplest is copywriting uh, because it applies to so many things. We think of books and novels, things like that. But then software can also be copyrighted these days. And that's a very interesting uh, court decision that paved the way for copy uh, for copywriting a software. Mm -hmm. And then I would uh, say, say trade secrets can be long or can be a part of any business. You don't need to be uh, Microsoft or, or you know, one of the large companies, a Fortune 500 companies, any small business can possibly have trade secrets. Well, hold on. Yes. I was going to ask you to define what is a trade secret because to me, I think of you know what's in Coca Cola as a trade well, secret. That's probably the most famous trade secret. Uh, that, that formula, that formula, yeah. and also Kentucky Fried Chicken is right. another one that comes yeah. to mind. Shampoos and everything, but the there's a secret with with uh, the the uh, ingredient concerning trade secret uh, protection. No pun intended about ingredients. <laughs> is that the potential trade secret owner? really should go through and identify if the subject matter, such as a recipe, is really valuable to their company. What would happen if somebody else got a hold of that information, right? But to have trade secret protection, the onus is also on the trade secret owner to take the steps to protect that trade secret. Trade secret is not a grant by the government. The person, the company, what have you, has to take steps to uh, protect that trade secret. So in the event an employee or somebody else gets hold of this trade secret doing some shenanigans, mm -hmm. that the uh, trade secret owner will be able to uh, take legal action in a court of law. Okay. And one of the first things that comes up in a trade secret uh, litigation or trade secret lawsuit is, it number one, is it a trade secret? And number two, how did you protect it? If there's no protection, if they posted it on Facebook or LinkedIn, you know, it became public, forget it. 
it's not it. a trade secret. Right. So uh, okay. even a customer list could be a trade secret. So that's what I mean about. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, copyrights, trade secrets. You said there were four we were going to cover. Right. Now, trademark, it's also uh, lumped in. It's always lumped in with intellectual property. But in a sense, it's a little bit different. Because if you think about copyrights, trade secrets, and patents, I always like to use the analogy that those three types of intellectual property uh, actually are intended to protect the creator, the owner of the intellectual property. It's theirs. And by the way, one never has to use that type of intellectual property to have protection. When I was in the corporate world, my company actually filed what I learned was a defensive patent because um, they had decided they weren't going to develop this technology I had come up with. It was a marketing decision. You know, that happens all the time. However, they also did not want somebody else to come up with the idea and use it. So that was the reason. But the difference with trademarks is the focus is on the consumer. Trademark is, I, I loosely equate it to branding. So, for example, if you go to a store and you buy brand name Tylenol by okay. J&J, you're probably paying a little bit more for it, perhaps for quality, just perhaps uh, because of your biases against generics. You want to know that that is a product. Uh, you know, you don't want to have some confusion where somebody who all of a sudden names their product Tylenol or something, uh, maybe trying to make a connection to J&J &J, and uh, the consumer is confused. So again, trademark law is focused on the consumer. Interesting. I never heard it put that way before. I can well, see yeah, to prevent confusion, uh, especially when you get used to a certain type of quality or what have you. Uh, one thing that becomes a little bit with trademark law and branding, and I, I will say this having, having seen uh, many clients struggle with it, coming up with a name that meets both your branding purposes and will get a registered trademark is a very difficult endeavor. Yeah. So the time should be taken up front and just to make sure that there's not going to be other conflict out there or something. And it can really, really be a balancing act. Yeah. And then, of course, patents are probably the granddaddy of all things. There's been a lot of change in patent law the past few years. I'm not going to get into that because um, there's a lot of uh, negative bias amongst the patent bar with yeah. regards well, to laws. There's but also they're very, very complex. And that's are. a whole other area. Yeah, that yeah. is a whole, because I have a client who has an invention mm -hmm. and um, she ended up, there's a utility patent, there's a design patent, like there's so many layers to it. Right. Um, so what I would say to everybody listening in is get in touch with Susan <laughs> to, to get your questions answered. I have Let me mention one thing about patents that becomes very important, um, provisional patent application. I'm yeah. not going to explain what it is, but one thing that's very important about patent protection is a patent application needs to be filed within a year after the inventor starts putting uh, the invention out in the public. So if, if that year, if that I, year is reached and a patent application is not filed, uh, chances are either the person will never get a patent hopefully they've been straightforward with the patent office or later if the patent is granted and somebody can prove it shouldn't have been, that patent could be invalidated. Oh, wow. Very important. So stuff. it's like a statute of limitations yeah. for those yeah. who are used to that term. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. So many nuances in that. And uh, you definitely want to have someone knowledgeable on your side. So get in touch with Susan Troy. Um, thank you for today's conversation, for sharing your spirit, your heart, your expertise, and, uh, and those great stories about you winning across all ages. Any final thoughts for our audience today? No, just, uh, well, yes, I do have a couple of thoughts. Follow your dreams. It's never too late. Keep your mind busy. And my heroine is RBG. And many of you will know who RBG is. I know who RBG is. Mine too. Mine too. Awesome. Thank you, Susan, for being with us. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in for the Be Real, Get Real podcast. We'll be back next week. So be sure to hit like, heart, subscribe, whatever those things that we do to let people know this is something good. I want more of that. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Bye, Susan. Thank you so much. Bye.